This is a Pivotal Conversations podcast. Hello and welcome to the Girl Fit Method podcast. I'm your host, Natasha Wakefield, and I am here to help you take charge of your health, get empowered, and ultimately become the best version of yourself. Let's go. Hello and welcome back to the Girl Fit Method podcast. So on today's podcast episode, I'm answering your questions. I popped a question box up onto my Instagram stories and these are the questions that you guys wanted to know. So before I get stuck into it, I just want to remind you that I do have a form linked in the show notes of this episode where you can actually ask a question and I can answer it on the podcast. Now today I'm not obviously going to be doing that because I'm already answering your questions but if I've missed out on answering your question you can pop it in there and I may answer it in one of the podcast episodes in the future. So I also have the macro table swap guide that I have linked in the show notes as well. That's completely free. If you just pop your email address into the link that I have down there, that will get sent straight to your inbox. I also have links to all of our coaching as well within the show notes. And then you guys know it always means the absolute world to me when I see a review or a rating is left for the podcast. It really, really helps me out. And it also reinforces that I should keep doing what I'm doing here on the podcast as well. And I've already gotten so many and I'm just so thankful to each and every one of you. If you have a spare, literally 30 seconds, leave a rating, leave a review. It really, really means the world to me. All right, let's get stuck into these questions. All right, so the first question is, how do you structure your workouts for the week? Now, the way that I structure my workouts is actually not really ideal. And that's because I don't have a whole lot of flexibility on the days that I can train. And that's because of having Sonny. So I need to train on the days that he's at kindy or at childcare, which means I don't really have much rest days within the week. I leave my rest days to the weekend. So I'm currently on a five-day split. So I'm doing three lower body, two upper body. And what I do is I start with my hardest lower body on Monday when I'm feeling fairly fresh. I do upper body, then another lower, then upper, then another lower. So I train for five days straight. Ideally, I would really like to have a rest day in there, but I just can't. The good thing is, is I have 24 hour period, excuse me, I have a 48 hour period until I train the same muscle groups again. So I do recover. My body's kind of used to it as well, but in an ideal world, really, I would like to have probably Wednesday or Thursday off and then be able to train the remainder of my workout program. But that's just the way that it is. It works fairly well for me now. I'm usually very sore by Friday and really ready for a rest. So I'm doing three lower body, two upper body. I have really noticed changes in my lower body since upping the frequency. I used to do two upper, two lower. But since doing three lower bodies, my behind has become ginormous. I'm just kidding. It's kind of like turned from, I don't know, maybe like a small little apricot. I wouldn't say it's a peach. I would say potentially it's maybe, I can't quite think of the fruit. I was going to say kiwi, which is a really strange fruit. Anyway, I am absolutely rambling, but for me, it's increasing. And I'm really happy with my progress as well as my strength. I'm definitely getting stronger which is really, really encouraging and motivating as well. Now with training, it's really important to remember 
that whatever you can be consistent with is best. So you can try to follow a five day a week program, but if you're constantly only being able to get to the gym three, four times per week, then it's so much better just to stick to a three day a week program. We have the majority of our girls on a three to four day split. That is perfect. It's not necessarily the more you train, the better your results. The way that my training program is structured is very different to how a three day a week program is structured. So what we do know is that we want to be hitting each muscle group twice per week. Now that's factored in, in particular to the programs that we write for our girls to ensure that even if they're training three days a week, they're going to be getting phenomenal results from that because we're really sending a strong muscle building signal to each of the muscle groups through the way that we're programming, ensuring that we're hitting all of those muscle groups at least twice in a week. The next question is, are abs genetic? Okay, this is a really great question and there's not a straight answer for this. There are going to be genetic components that will help you in the way that maybe you can sit at a lower body fat percentage much easier. But what I want you to know is pretty much all of you have, I guess, a six pack. You've got the muscles right underneath layers of fat. Now, it's all going to come down to how prominent those muscles look. So that'll come down to how much you train them and how effectively you train them. And then also how much fat you have covering them. Now, the hard bit is that for some of us, we hold more of our fat in our stomach. And for women in particular, it's actually really important for us to have a certain amount of fat around our stomach biologically for us to be able to conceive. So that's why it's really difficult for women to reveal a full six pack, right? You usually have to be at a very low body fat percentage where you're not really healthy and your hormonal health is going to suffer as a consequence. So it all comes down to being able to lose that fat. Now, for some of you genetically, you're not going to be able to as easily lose fat in your midsection. So if I look at myself, I can I can have a low body fat percentage quite and hold one quite easily. And that's that is genetic, right? I've I've just always been a small person. I always talk about this and I say this because I want you to understand that it's really important not to compare yourself to other people, right? However, it's really hard for me to actually, if I want to get really lean, to lean down my lower body. I, that's why I store my fat. I store my fat around my hips and my lower body. That's just like naturally where it goes. So what that means is that for me, it's really difficult for me to lose fat in my lower body. It's going to require me to really diet down. And the hard thing is, is then I can get really, really lean in the top part of my body, but my lower body is still holding the majority of my fat, right? Which can then make me look a bit funny. And the same thing goes for you. So if you tend to lose fat around your stomach, it's like the last place where you lose fat, then you're probably going to look too lean in other parts of your body in order to reveal your abs. This is where it's just really important to go, okay, number one, what's healthy for me? What's sustainable for me? And accepting that maybe for me, it's going to be really, really difficult and unhealthy to reveal my six pack and really shifting the goalpost of what you're wanting to achieve when it comes to your physique goals being really realistic and understanding things like genetics do play a role as long as you're training your abs and you're making sure that you're eating for your goals. And even if that is for fat loss, right, you're eating in a calorie deficit, but remembering we can't be staying in a calorie deficit forever, but you're still not having your abs like really popping, then that could just be because you store more of your fat there. It's going to require you to lose more fat. And then you want to think about, well, really, is that worth it to jeopardize my health? Okay, so question number three is, if you're in a calorie deficit and losing weight, how do you know if that weight is muscle or it's fat? 
So if you're eating in a calorie deficit, regardless, you're going to be losing some fat. So even if you are losing a combination of muscle and fat, there's still going to be some fat loss there. Now, the best way to know whether you are losing fat and losing muscle is taking body measurements and progress pictures. So you will most certainly see that in your progress pictures. You will see that you're not looking defined. You're not looking toned. The other thing you want to think about is when you're weighing yourself, if you're losing a lot of weight, there's a really, really, really good chance that that is weight and muscle. When you're retaining muscle and you're just losing fat, you're going to see drops in scale weight really slow down and not be as dramatic. Now, when we look at body measurements as well, this is a really, really good sign. So as your, in particular, your waist measurements decrease, that's a great sign that you are losing fat. But ultimately, it's actually really going to come down to the way that you look and also how your performance is. So if you're getting really weak in the gym, you're not able to lift as much as you used to, then you could really potentially be losing some muscle. So how do you ensure that you're just losing fat in a deficit? Well, the main thing is, is you want to make sure that you're eating in a conservative calorie deficit. So you don't want to be dropping your calories to the extreme to begin with. You then want to ensure that you are eating enough protein. Protein is very, very important in a fat loss phase. Then the next thing you want to be doing is making sure that you're actually really focusing on resistance training. Most people think that, oh my goodness, I want to lose this fat. I need to start incorporating cardio. That's actually like... Really, when it comes to when you should be lifting weights, you should be lifting weights always, but even more so in a calorie deficit because you're sending that signal to your body to retain muscle, right? So we still want to keep that muscle on us. We're still utilizing those muscles. So the body is going to be encouraged to just drop body fat. So it's really important that you are lifting weights, that you are eating enough protein and that your calorie deficit is not really extreme. The next question is how to switch your workout routine without losing the progress you've made in the one that you're currently doing. Okay, so when you are following a properly phased training program, the phases should work together. Meaning when we write a program for our girls, we let's just say we've written three phases for a 12 week program. Those three phases are actually written so that on each phase, the girls are going to be progressing and improving and getting more results because what we want is for you to master a skill and an exercise and to progress in that exercise. So really when we're looking at writing a training program, that should be incorporated, which means that training programs shouldn't really be extremely different, right? They shouldn't be extremely different. But what we want to do is ensure that the person is progressively overloading. So we're going to be changing up rep schemes. You know, we may be changing up exercises. They're going to look slightly different, but they're going to actually be targeting the same kinds of muscle groups. Now, if you're changing workout program as in you've been lifting weights and now you're training for a marathon, how do you keep the strength that you had when you were lifting weights and the muscle mass? Well, that's kind of a different story because... Now your focus is completely off of lifting weights and onto really setting yourself a goal when it comes to, let's just say, like endurance. Well, in that case, you're obviously going to lose a bit of strength. You will because you're not your focus is not in lifting weights and maintaining strength or getting stronger. It's running faster or running longer. And so it's about just understanding, well, you know, if this is my goal at the moment, then I'm probably going to need to sacrifice these other things that I've achieved that does not mean that you can't get that back. Now, I'm looking at cardio here and then I'm looking at resistance training. If you spend a good amount of time building muscle, you can absolutely incorporate cardio and you can also incorporate little goals for yourself like running five kilometers, running 10 kilometers without losing any muscle mass as long as you are continuing to eat appropriately 
and you're really ensuring that you're resting adequately and maybe you're throwing in a little bit of resistance training, but you can still hold on to muscle. What is hard about muscle is building it. Once you've got muscle, it's actually really easy to maintain it on your body, you know, unless you're yo-yo dieting and going on these extreme diets, right? Besides that, once you gain muscle, so once you put in that hard work, maintaining it is a piece of cake. All right, so I went a little bit off track there, but I wanted to just raise that point because I do talk about resistance training a lot, and that doesn't mean that I'm anti-cardio. What I'm anti is you believing that cardio is the best form of exercise for your goals, for changing your body, for losing weight, because it's just not. And also for your longevity. We know that there are stress responses in the body and With a lot of excessive cardio, that's not a good thing. That's actually not going to be beneficial for your longevity as well as your body composition goals. So the ratio of fat to muscle, excuse me, in your body. And actually for you to be able to eat more food and have a really healthy metabolism and hormonal health, all of those kinds of things. But cardio not in itself is bad. Everything comes down to context. Next question is, I'm battling a cold. Do I prioritize some easy movement like walks or just a few rest days? Okay, so here's the rule of thumb, right? They say that if you are sick from the neck up, then you can continue to train. If you're sick from the neck down, you should not. And what that kind of means is if you're having anything, like there's anything in your lungs, you've got any kind of lung infection or you've got a temperature, things like that, and or you've got like gastro, then it's probably best to just rest. However, when I'm reading that question, what I'm hearing is someone that's feeling guilty for not working out because they're feeling unwell. And in that instance, I would say you need to challenge yourself just to rest. You shouldn't be asking me if you should be exercising when you're sick because you know the answer to that. Clearly, you're feeling unwell. You don't want to exercise, but you're feeling guilty that you're not exercising, right? So you just want me to probably say to you, no, you should rest. And I'm absolutely going to say that, yes, you should rest. The more you push when you're sick, the longer you're going to be sick for. Remember, When you're trying to achieve your goals, health and fitness, we are playing the long game here. This is not about, you know, achieving your end goal within 12 weeks or within eight weeks. It takes years of practice and implementing different habits and incorporating times when you're resting or on vacation or even when you're sick. Listen, what I want you to do is if this is you, you're feeling unwell, I want you to think if you were talking to your best friend and they asked you that question, what would your response be? Would it be to no, suck it up, push through it, work out, make yourself more unwell? No, you would say, hey, just take a few days off and you'll feel better and you'll be able to get back to it. That's how you need to view yourself and your body. Exercise should be empowering. It should make you feel strong. It should not feel abusive. And if that's the relationship that you have with exercise and you really need to think about maybe what your intentions are when it comes and your motivations when it comes to exercise. Should I eat a little lower during the week if I'm eating out socially on the weekends? Typically, we have a few different ways in which we manage this. So absolutely, for some of our girls, what we will do is a bit of calorie cycling. And what calorie cycling is, is eating less on certain days, usually the days that you don't train, and then utilizing more calories on the days that you do train, or potentially if you're going out, there's an event, you know you're going to be eating more. However, in order for this to be really successful, you need to have a healthy relationship with food because what I do see is when people utilize this and they've got an unhealthy relationship with food and they think, oh, I'm going to restrict during the week so I can go crazy on the weekends and eat whatever I want. That's how we get into this restrict binge cycle. What ends up happening is you feel starving throughout the week. 
you're thinking about food constantly. You cannot wait to just go and overeat on the weekends. You feel out of control around food. You then actually end up, if you were to average it out over a seven-day period, you've actually gone and eaten more than you would if you just ate the same amount of calories for seven days straight. Then you're feeling really guilty and then you think, oh my goodness, I better go back to restricting because I'm going to gain weight because I ate so much on the weekend. And then it's this horrid, vicious cycle. So if this is you, I want you to know that it just comes down to your goals. If your goals are fat loss, then you need to understand that they're going to need to be some sacrifices. Eating in a calorie deficit requires some sacrifices. However, the cool thing is, is it's not forever. It's temporary, right? But the problem is, is that most women think they always constantly need to eat less and less and less and less and less in order to achieve their goals. So there's no end to it. It's like, oh my goodness, I can never eat more. And this is where we get into this situation where we're feeling so neurotic and like we have thoughts of food constantly is because we're hungry because we're constantly trying to under eat. However, if you think, you know what, for the next 12 weeks, I'm in a calorie deficit, but I know I'm going to be able to be able to get out of this calorie deficit in 12 weeks. I can kind of make sacrifices for that period of time. Now, going back to, let's just say the person that is just really social and enjoys going and eating out on weekends then yeah, we can use this, but I want you to think about, okay, are your maintenance calories up nice and high so that if you do have lower calorie days, you're still eating a good amount of food where you're not feeling incredibly deprived. And then the other thing to think about is it's all good and well to go out. But once again, if you are in a calorie deficit, it might mean picking and choosing where you go to overindulge. So if you're going out for drinks, maybe you're not going to be able to drink a whole heap every like Saturday and Sunday, maybe choose one of those days. And then the other days, like, you know, I don't know, go and have like a diet Coke or something like that. So just making those sacrifices doesn't mean that you need to isolate yourself and not go out, but they're going to need to be some sacrifices. Okay. So I was debating whether to answer this question, but I'm going to, all right. I feel very cringy saying this. You literally have the perfect body. Please do a YouTube video on your workout routine. (laughs) So the reason I wanted to answer this question is, first of all, I most certainly do not have the perfect body, although I'm flattered by that comment. I'm also terrified by that comment. So this is probably like literally the last thing I ever want to hear from somebody for a few reasons. I'm actually really bad at receiving attention. And I know that sounds silly because I'm on social media every single day. But the way that I view that is really different. I try not to focus on me and my body as much as providing you guys with value and empowering you all. I get quite shy and it actually makes me feel a lot of pressure. And you can understand that in our industry, it's a very visual industry. And I need, as a fitness coach, I need to live out what I preach, right? And so there's an element of that when you are looking at transforming your body, you are always going to look at what that trainer looks like. And I get that because I was in the same shoes as you. Now, what I've learned is that genetics play a really important role, a really big role. And the majority of people on social media, and I don't want to throw shade, but there are a lot that look phenomenal, but they have terrible relationships with food and with their body and their life is actually really unhealthy and they're not in a healthy, um, their body's not healthy but you're looking at them as like goals, right? And that's the last thing I want to be for anyone. I don't don't see myself as goals. I don't look at my body and go, wow, I am am such motivation for all of my followers. Absolutely not. (laughs) So for this question, what I just wanted to reinforce is that it's really important to understand 
This is all about you versus you. Now, if I put up my workout routine onto YouTube, it's going to do jackal in changing your body to look like my body and vice versa. If I was to go and follow someone on YouTube and do their workouts, I'm not going to magically turn into them. I always use the analogy of the coach that I used to work with was like a guy who was really big and buff. I trained like him, but I didn't look like him because we've got different hormonal profiles. He's a man and I'm a female. And it's even the same from female to female. So remembering that there are ways to change the shape of your body that are kind of universal. And this is why I talk about resistance training. It's literally the only way that you can change your body, right? So there's that, there's nutrition as well. And then after that, it's going to come down to genetics and you just need to focus on being the best version of yourself. And I can assure you that if you find motivation from looking at someone who looks beautiful and has the perfect body, go for it. You will find many of those on Instagram. But just remember, that doesn't mean that that person's healthy. It also doesn't mean that that's real because I've met a lot of people from social media and looked at them in real life and they look nothing like the way that they look. Even myself, you know, like you will find the best photo and you will put it up on your own social media account, right? When I'm taking photos of myself, I'm not thinking, wow, what's the worst way that I can pose that I look really terrible? Of course not. I'm posing in a way that I'm like, oh yeah, I look good. And that's the thing, but that's not 24-7. I don't look like that 24-7. My abs aren't showing after lunch, right? Because I've eaten food. I'm like, you know, they're gone. So it's just important to remember that you versus you. And whenever you come onto my page, I always want you to feel empowered and it be about you. And if you ever think that I'm becoming incredibly narcissistic, like the majority of the fitness industry, please DM me and let me know. Okay, I'm going to answer one more question. And this is a really good one. So why am I binging mid reverse diet when I'm incorporating foods every day that I enjoy? This is a really good question and I experienced this. I wasn't actually binging. I I have experienced this in the past. However, just recently with my cut that I did, I noticed that coming out of it, when I started to eat more food, number one, I felt starving, even more hungry than I did in my deficit. But because I was really food focused because I was eating in a calorie deficit, which is completely normal. When you're in a deficit, you're going to think about food because you're actually going to be hungry. But when I came out of it, it was almost like, oh my goodness, I need food, I need food, I need food. And I found it like, I found like I was on the cusp of just wanting to overeat all the time. And I thought, oh man, this like reminds me of what it used to be like when I hardly ate anything all day, every day. And how horrible that feeling is. Now it took like a good, I reckon, at least six weeks to come to the point where I actually didn't think about food all the time. So now, like, obviously, like, I don't think about food. I feel nourished and satiated all the time, really. And that's because I'm just having a consistent amount of calories. I'm eating at my maintenance calories, potentially in a small surplus. And so food's not an issue for me. However, when I was in my deficit, obviously, I was losing fat. And so my body was like, oh, we need more energy. Now, if you think about it, if you've been eating, under eating for years and years or a really long period of time, as you start to incorporate more calories, it's almost like the body and mainly the mind, to be honest with you, is like, oh my goodness, we are getting more food. And you can feel somewhat out of control around food. I mean, now you're allowing yourself to eat more than you were before. And it's like, I feel like I have no control. I want you to know this is really normal. This is really, really normal. And unfortunately, sometimes it's just a process you need to go through. We have this with our girls all the time where they're like, oh my goodness, I feel like I'm overeating. I can't quite control myself around food. And unfortunately, sometimes it's just a result of the way that we've treated our body and you kind of got to like get it out of your system and then it becomes not an issue anymore. And the same goes with foods that you've labeled as bad. 
when you're exposed to those foods and you don't allow yourself to eat them, you can sometimes binge on those particular foods. However, when you start incorporating them on a daily basis, they lose their power over you. So be really kind to yourself here. This also may be a really strong indication that you're actually still not eating enough food. You may be just really slowly increasing your calories and there's nothing wrong with taking like a three, 400 calorie jump up from a deficit because you are then going to stop your food focus as much. You're going to have more energy much faster than if you're kind of just prolonging the diet by just increasing it by like 100 calories. If you've been under eating for a long period of time and now you're like, oh, okay, I've increased from 1,200 to 1,400. Well, you're still going to think about food all the time. 1,400 calories is hardly nothing. Maybe it's better just jumping up to 16 and staying there for a little bit, feeling much more satiated as opposed to kind of drawing this out. And then potentially if you're binging anyway, it's going to average out to you eating more than the 1,400 each week, right? And I know that can be really scary, but the quicker you get yourself out of that situation, the quicker you can like recover and start feeling like yourself again. All right, beautiful people, that is it from me. If you want to hear more Q&As, can you let me know? Send me a DM um, and I can do more of these more frequently. I kind of enjoy them and I like the fact that you've actually asked me these questions and I'm answering them for you. So you obviously want to hear those answers. So let me know. Remember, submit a question in the podcast question form that I have linked to the podcast notes episodes. If you did enjoy this podcast, please take a screenshot of it, pop it onto your stories, tag me. I love, I love, I love to see that you guys are enjoying the podcast, you're sharing it and you're spreading the word. All right, that's it from me. Big love, Coach Tash. 